Welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend JFK Mensah, a seasoned Bible teacher with over 40 years of ministry experience. He is a pastor, a church planter, a missionary, and an international conference speaker. He is passionate about making Christ-like disciples worldwide. JFK Mensah is the General Overseer of Great Commission Church International. May you be transformed as you listen to the Word of God. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you. Even as we take a look at this all-important topic of spiritual growth, we pray that you will answer the questions by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, spiritual growth. Number one, what is spiritual growth? Spiritual growth is increase and development in spiritual things. Things which pertain to the kingdom of God and things which pertain to Jesus Christ and to the Holy Spirit. All living things grow. Trees grow. Animals grow. Human beings grow. And growth has been built into our system. And it's so powerful. You know, on the compound here, we have tiled the walkway. But I'm surprised that sometimes the grass is able to break through the cement and the tiles on the walkway because it has light and growth in it. Now, if that is physical, natural growth, what about spiritual growth, which has to do with things of eternal life? So, we must quickly add three characteristics to the spiritual life. Number one is that the goal of all spiritual growth is Jesus Christ. Why? Because in Romans 8.29 the Bible says those whom God knew in advance he predestined that they should be conformed into the image of his son, Jesus Christ, so that Jesus will be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So God's highest goal 
for any human being is that we will be like Jesus and Jesus will be the firstborn. Also, eternity to come. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 1 to 3, the beloved, see what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. And his children we are. The world doesn't know us because it doesn't know our Father God. But we know that when we see Jesus, we shall be like him. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as Jesus is pure. So eternity to come, when we see Jesus, we shall be like Jesus forever. Any spiritual growth that does not aim at becoming more and more like Jesus has missed Christianity's greatest priority. And then let me add 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. He says, We all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are being changed into the same image from one degree of glory to another by the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's major job is to change us from one degree of glory to another until we are like Jesus. This means when the Christian talks about spiritual growth, all we are saying is becoming more and more like Jesus. More Christ-likeness. That is spiritual growth. In every area of your life. Now the second characteristic is spiritual growth has to do with spiritual things. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says concerning spiritual things I do not want you to be ignorant. It is easy to live in this world and just be concerned about the things of this world. But man is made up of body, soul, and spirit. This physical body relates to the physical world. Our soul, what the Greek called suke and psychology, our soul relates to our personality, our inner person, our thoughts, our emotions, our will. But every human being has a spiritual part. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 and 13 say that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23 he says, may God sanctify you holy, make you holy in your total being, your spirit, your soul, and your body. 
and preserve you for the day of Jesus' coming. So man has a spiritual part. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, when we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God. So we have a spirit man. We have a spiritual part. And it is that part that grows and is involved in spiritual growth. Now the third thing that I want to bring out concerning spiritual growth is that animals, trees, and even normal human beings, we grow physically, automatically. You don't have to struggle to wish to grow. No tree or animal has any desire to grow before it grows. Growth is automatic for them. But spiritual growth is not automatic. Spiritual growth lives and thrives on the hunger and thirst which you have to grow. The more you desire to grow, Matthew 5, 6, Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. Jesus said in John 7, 37, come to me, those of you who are thirsty, and drink. If anyone believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Isaiah 55 verse 1. Oh, everyone who is thirsty, let him come and drink. And Revelations 21 verse 6 and 22 verse 17. They all say, anyone who is thirsty, let him come and take freely of the waters of eternal life. So, spiritual growth is not automatic. If you are not hungry and thirsty to grow, you won't grow. And that answers the question, is growth only for ministers or is available for everybody? Growth is for all who are hungry and thirsty and wish to grow. And that growth has two parts. God's part and man's part. Let us answer the question. Why is spiritual growth important? I want to rush through. First of all, your intimacy with God depends on your spiritual growth. It is only as you grow that God can discuss mature things with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7, Paul says, We speak wisdom 
among the mature. And what he is saying is that heaven has made it such that the image is clear. You know, I have five children. Each of them, when they are born, the first one year, you can't converse with the child because they can't talk. So you stroke their cheeks, you sing lullabies for them, two, two, bobby, two, two, bobby. You wait for them. When they are about two years old, they start talking and reasoning. And there are things you can discuss with them all the way up to age 10, 12. But you can't take a two-year-old child and show the child uh, the land papers and the indenture. You see, this is the car. And, uh, you know, the child cannot reason with you. In the same way, even though the Bible says in John 1, 12, that as many as receive him, who believe in his name, he gave them authority, power to become children of God. You are a child of God, but God cannot reason with you until you grow spiritually. The more you grow spiritually, the more adult things God is able to discuss with you. The subject of conversation and content and the level of intimacy with God is directly dependent upon how you grow spiritually. Number two, the devil. There are certain demons which trouble you when you are a baby Christian. As you grow, you are able to withstand them. First John chapter 2 verse 13 and 14, he says, I write to you young men, you are strong. The word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. James chapter 4 verse 7, he says, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. He says, you adversary, the devil is going around like a roaring lion. Be sober, be vigilant. Resist him firmly in your faith. Jesus said in Luke 10, 19, Behold, I give to you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. There are certain demons which oppress you when you are a baby Christian. But as you grow, you are able to face them, challenge them, resist them. And the Bible says they will flee. Satan sometimes runs away from us. Number three is your spiritual growth benefits you yourself. 
Galatians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2 says, The heir, as long as he is a child, there is no difference between himself and a servant. Because the master, the tutors, and the servants who are in the house, they shout at you, stop doing that. Stop playing with the mat. Hey, Kofi, come here. Why? You are Lord of all. You are the next Asantehini. You are the next president. But you are a child. And when you grow, you begin to use resources in the kingdom that are for children of God. None of us wants to give our mobile phones, our iPads, and our computers to your two-year-old brother or one-and-a-half-year-old sister. Why not? They will smash it. They will put the phone in, into water. And they don't understand. You give them money, they tear it or put it into their mouth. So, you wait for them to grow. And when they are of age, then they can vote. They can marry. They can have their own passport. They can travel because they are of age. It's the same in the spiritual realm. There are resources which are only for people who are grown spiritually to handle them. Now, the fourth area why spiritual growth is important is ministry. Your service to other people. Hebrews chapter 5 from verse 11 to 14 argues that this time you should be able to teach other people, but you now need the elementary principles again. You need milk not solid food because milk is for those who are babies in they are not skilled in righteousness but solid food is for the mature who have their senses exercised to distinguish between good and evil as you grow spiritually you are able to help other people who are brothers and sisters in Christ because you are growing you minister to them you serve them. But as long as you remain a baby Christian, you need to be saved. Number five, certain besetting sins and quarrels, fights are for baby Christians. First Corinthians chapter three, Verses 1 to 3, Paul was complaining to the Corinthians that I could not speak to you as mature, but as babies in Christ, because there is quarreling, jealousy, strife, fights among you. And that you are behaving like, you know, mere men, children. Definitely, if you are 30 years old and a child two years knocks you, you will see that you don't even feel the blow. But if you are five years old and another child is five years and the child knocks you, 
You feel the blow. Then you also go to knock. And then you start fighting. So, whenever we see baby Christians around, there is a lot of infighting, quarreling, and, uh, you know, bickering, strife. It's because of the spiritual growth. A more mature person can handle that. Then there is the issue of fruitfulness. In Romans 15, 16, Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide. You can never bear fruit until you grow and mature enough. A mango tree needs three to five years to start bearing fruit. An orange tree needs three to five years to start bearing fruit. You know, a girl who is four years old cannot be pregnant, even though she's very much a girl. In the same way, the main reason God created you, fruit from your life, never materializes until you mature enough to bring forth fruit. But that's not all. To fulfill God's purpose for your life, you need to grow spiritually. In Ephesians 2.10, the Bible says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Now, you can't walk in those good works until you grow spiritually. You cannot fulfill God's call for your life. Well, what else? It also means that without spiritual growth, a lot of the grace of God and its application in your life does not work. And it is just because you are not growing spiritually. There is another danger. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12 from verse 43 to 45 that when the unclean spirit leaves a man, it goes around waterless places searching for rest. And when he doesn't find it, it says, I'm going back to the house from which I came. And when it comes and finds the place swept but empty, it goes to take seven spirits more wicked than itself and they come and get crushed. And the last end of that person is worse than the beginning. This means that even after deliverance, even after demons have been cast out of you, you are expected to grow spiritually. If you don't grow, you don't feel that vacuum. What happens is that the ground can be lost and your state can be worse. So, spiritual growth is important 
because it affects God, it affects you and Satan, it affects your ministry life to other people, how you serve, then you yourself, your life's purpose, all these depend on your spiritual growth. Now, a few Bible verses. Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 2, verse 40, the Bible says the child Jesus grew. He was full of wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. Luke 2, 52 reports 18 years of Jesus' life from the time he was in the temple at age 12 to the age 30. And all that Luke tells us is Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God, and in favor with men. I find this very important because Hebrews 13, 8 says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. As God, Jesus is unchanging. He cannot grow. He cannot grow to be better or worse. But as man, when he came down onto this earth, Jesus grew. Therefore, every follower of Jesus if it is his spirit which lives in you, you must earnestly desire to grow. Then also, growth is commanded in the Bible. Second Peter 3.18 says, Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Peter 2.2 as newborn babes earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. First Samuel 2, 26. And the boy Samuel grew in stature, in favor with God and with men. Acts 9.22. But Saul increased more and more, and he astounded the people who knew him, proving everywhere that Jesus was the Christ. Luke chapter 1 verse 80. John the Baptist, he grew strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the word of the Lord came to him. The Bible says in no uncertain terms that spiritual growth is what pleases God. He commands it. He desires it. It should be normal for a healthy Christian to grow spiritually. And that brings me to the next question. 
can everybody grow? The answer is yes. Once you are a child of God and you want to grow. And in growth, spiritual growth, there are two sides. God's side and man's side. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Paul was explaining that I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So, just as the farmer plants corn and he expects the rain and he waits for God to cause the corn to grow, In the same way, spiritually, it's a work between God and man for man to grow spiritually. I want to answer the how-to. I remember when we were young in the scripture union, they taught us this song. If you want to grow, if you want to grow, hallelujah, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day. Read your Bible, pray every day, if you want to grow. So, If you are a born-again child of God and you want to grow, there are specific disciplines we call them growth pillars. And they are things you need to do day after day after day until they become habits of righteousness. Now, people protest that we are under grace. We are not under the law. So, Christianity is not legalistic. They try to make it such that if you are a Christian, then no law finds you again. And once you start reading your Bible every day, you you are giving yourself to works. You are under the law. I want to challenge them. There is no apostle in the Bible who speaks about grace more than Paul. But he says in 1 Corinthians 15, 9, 10, that even though I am the least among the apostles, not worth being called an apostle because I persecuted the church, I labored more abundantly than they all by the grace that is upon me. 
Grace does not exclude labor. First Corinthians 15:58. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, because God is at work in you to will and to do according to his own pleasure. Second Peter chapter 1, from verse 4 and 5, Peter argues that the exceeding great and precious promises of God, they are the things by which we become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption which is in the world through lust. Because of this, strive you make every effort to add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge then self-control, endurance, God-fearing, brotherly love and love. Christianity and grace does not exclude Laboring, working. So, to grow spiritually, you need to labor at certain habits of righteousness. They are not what causes you to grow. They are what sets you in a position that God can grow you. So I'm going to list the 10 most critical for you. And then I will know that my work is done. Number one is the Bible. Obedience based mastery of the Bible. You need the Bible to get the wisdom of God, the perspective of God on life. You need the Bible for faith. Romans 10, 18 says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You need the Bible for renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. He says, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You need the Bible to be able to contest against Satan. Ephesians chapter 6, verse uh, 17, he says, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God which you have memorized in order to fight Satan. And that's what happened when Jesus met the devil in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 to 12. It is written. It is written again. It is written. The Holy Spirit cannot remind you of Bible verses you have not mastered. 
Then also, the more of the Bible you know, the more the Holy Spirit can speak to you through the Bible. So, if you are a baby Christian, you need the Bible. First Peter 2.2. 2. If you are a growing Christian, you need the Bible. First John 2.14. If you are a mature Christian, you need the Bible. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. Now, the second habit of righteousness that you need, the second spiritual discipline you need for growth is prayer, fasting, and solitude. Jesus prayed. Mark 1.35, in the morning, rising up a long while before the Jesus went to a solitary place and there he prayed. Luke 5, 6, 15 and 16, great multitudes came to Jesus to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses and diseases. But Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to go and pray. Luke 6, 12 and 13, in those days, Jesus went to the mountains to pray. He continued the whole night in prayer to God when it was day. The Bible is loaded with the prayer life of Jesus. You can never be like Jesus if you do not build a disciplined, personal, habitual, consistent prayer life. Add that to the 40 days that Jesus fasted. And then the times when Jesus was alone with God. You need to build a prayer life in order to be intimate with God, to converse with God, for God to speak with you and speak to you and, and answer your requests. And there are times when your joy is built, Jesus said in John 16, 24. Either you have asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. What about peace? Philippians 4, 6 and 7. It says, have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In this 21st century, you want peace? Only prayer. So prayer, fasting, solitude, you have to build that habit. But the third growth pillar is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You cannot separate the life of Jesus from the Holy Spirit, his birth, Luke chapter 1, verse 34, 35, his birth was by the Holy Spirit. Then his baptism, the Spirit came down and anointed him, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. Then his temptation, Luke chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Spirit, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. His ministry, Luke 4.14, says Jesus returned from the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Acts 10.38, 
Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Jesus' whole life of ministry and his character is the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. So you see words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, working of miracles, gifts of healing, prophecy, they all manifest in Jesus' ministry. And his own character, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, kindness, uh, faithfulness, self-control. That's Jesus for you. Then, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And even when Jesus went to heaven, he sent down the Holy Spirit. That was the ministry John the Baptist told us. That Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit. You need to build a habit of fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. If you want to grow spiritual and become like Jesus. Number four is Christ-like character, righteousness, and holiness. I don't think I need to spend time on it. But every Christian has to spend time building Christ-like character. He himself says in Matthew chapter 11, Verse 28 to 30. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I'm meek and humble in heart. And you'll get rest for your souls. So, we need to build the character of Jesus Christ. First uh, John 3, 3 says, Anyone who has this hope in him purifies himself as Jesus is pure. Then uh, John chapter 13, verse 34, 35. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another just as I have loved you. First John 2, 6. He says, anyone who says he abides in Christ should walk as Jesus walked. First Peter 2, 21 and 22. He says, this is why you have been called. Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should walk in his footsteps. Who did no sin? There was no guile found in his mouth. And when he suffered, he threatened no one. When he was insulted, he didn't insult back. Christ-like character, righteousness, is something you should work on your whole life. Then, number five, is evangelism. So we need disciple-making. Jesus said in Matthew 4.19, Follow me, I will make you fishes of men. You can't follow Jesus and not become a fisher of men. That is what he says he will make us. So to grow in there and have a passion. Jesus said in Luke 19.10, the son of man is come to seek and save the lost. Matthew 9.36 to 38, he says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he was filled with compassion because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He said, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Pray the Lord of the harvest. 
Then pillar number six is fellowship, Christian fellowship and love. You know, Jesus took these disciples and moved them by John chapter 15, verse 15. He said, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Because everything the Father has told me, I have made known to you. Then in John 20, verse 17, he told Mary Magdalene, go and tell my brothers that I'm going to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Jesus moved these people from servants to friends to brothers. So in the same way, if deeper and deeper fellowship with Jesus moves us to greater intimacy with him. And we, because we have been loved, we must learn to love the brotherhood. Number seven, facing life's challenges. A Christian must be prepared to deny himself and take up his cross daily, forsaking all to follow Jesus so that he can face bereavement, he can face life's challenges, setbacks, failures, and uh, discouragements, addictions, family problems, and work through them without thinking of committing suicide. Proverbs 24.10 says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Jesus himself taught us in Matthew 7, 24 to 27, that both the house built on the rock and the house built on the sand, they will face rain, they will face storm, they will face flood. One fell because it wasn't built on a strong foundation. So we need to build on a strong foundation. Number eight for spiritual growth is Christian stewardship. The stewardship of our time, stewardship of our talents, stewardship of our body, stewardship of our treasure, stewardship of our thoughts, stewardship of our temper, stewardship of practically everything we have and all we are. We need to recognize that we brought nothing to this world and we can take nothing out. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36 and 37, that we shall give account on judgment day for every idle word that we speak. Because by our words, we shall be justified. By our words, we shall be condemned. Therefore, how you make your money and use your money, your time, how you use it, and your tongue. Everybody is going to give a strict account and we must be trained to be accountable. That's what Romans 14.10 and 2 Corinthians 5.10 say. And the ninth pillar for spiritual growth is spiritual warfare. The battle, the fight against Satan, against the world, and against our sinful flesh. We need to be trained to know that there is a warfare going on. Ephesians 6, 12 says, we are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
We should put on the whole armor of God. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, love the Father is not in him. Because the last of the flesh, last of the eyes, pride of life, they are in the world. And they took the word of God. James 4, 4. Anyone who wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy to God. And then the last for spiritual growth is ministry preparation. Ministry preparation means God sent you into this world because he wants to use you. Second Timothy 2, 20 to 21, it says in a great house, there are not only vessels of silver and gold, but of earth and wood. Some for noble use, some for ignoble use. If a man cleanses himself, he will be a vessel of honor, fit for the master's use, prepared for every good work. So, these are the ten pillars, spiritual disciplines, which help you to grow spiritually. Number one, the word of God. Number two, prayer. Number three, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Number four is Christ-like character. Number five is soul winning, evangelism, disciple making. Number six, Christian fellowship and love. Number seven, facing life's challenges. Number eight, Christian stewardship. Number nine, spiritual warfare. Number ten is ministry preparation. Preparation to be all that God wants you to do for him. God bless you. In Jesus' name, Amen. God bless you so much, Apostle Mentor. We are grateful for this uh, exposition tonight. Now, we will start inviting questions. And so, if you have any questions to ask, uh, based on what has been taught tonight, you are free to ask. Um, you can either type it in the chat box, or you may just unmute your mic and speak freely. So, our time begins now. If you have any questions, please just unmute your mic and speak. Or type it into the chat box. Thank you. Good evening. When you mention number four uh, of spiritual growth of Christ-like character, uh, and I want to be sure of some. This time, I have worked with a lot of ministers. I personally am a young man, evangelist, who have worked with a lot of ministers. But I have realized that many, many of ministers uh, tell lies in the name of wisdom. What is your take on that? These are people who you sometimes you look up to, something you are very close to. But situation happens uh, in the name of, in, in quote, wisdom. They tell lies. You read that this is lie. So how will you, since you're talking about Christ-like uh, character, and have never seen it anywhere in the Bible that Christ have ever lied. If you don't want to answer, you keep quiet. So what is your take 
on that issue. Okay. Uh, I agree with you that First Peter chapter 2 verse 22 says there was no guile in the mouth of Jesus. And that is by Peter who walked closely with Jesus Christ. And liars will be in the lake of fire. Mm. Revelations chapter 21 verse 8. See, there are three kinds of wisdom. According to James chapter 4 verse 13 to 17, there is a wisdom which comes from above. Then there is a wisdom which is devilish. And there is a wisdom which is earthly. So you need to choose which kind of wisdom you are using. If you are using the wisdom of God, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 18, 37. Jesus told Pontius Pilate, for this reason I was born, and for this end I came into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Anyone who is of the truth comes to me. And 1 Timothy 3.15 says, the church is the pillar and ground of truth. John 17.17 says, the word of God is truth. In John 8.44, we are told that Satan is a liar and the father of lies. So, if you are a a church member and you are telling lies, you must know you are going to hell. So, if you are working with pastors who are telling lies in the name of wisdom, they had better rethink because you can misrepresent God. I think because this is pastoral ministry, I can say this freely. Those of you who have heard the story of Ravi Zacharias, on the international scene, he had ministry for apologetics that few people have ever risen to. But after his death, there were rumors that he was involved, you know, with women. And they set an independent legal firm who employed detectives to go and interview women and search his phone and things. And they came out with the result that the findings were true. That he has molested women, he has behaved indecently with them and all. And his name now is, people don't want to be associated with him. I want to tell every minister on this platform, if you don't respect the Bible in your life, even when they bury you, God can disgrace you. 
God can disgrace you after your death. And your wife and children will live to bear the shame of your not towing the line of Jesus' character. That's my answer. Thank you. Now, someone wants to know, how do I know that I am going spiritually? How do I know that I am maturing? And how do I know I have matured? Okay, sir. Uh, good evening. Good evening, sir. Uh, sir, before you answer, say, I want to know. I go to church. I pay my dues, pay my tithes, everything. Does it mean that if I don't grow spiritually, I don't have salvation? Or if I don't have the ten pillar, the spiritual pillar, I know there's no salvation for me. Thank you, sir. I think I want to answer your question first. There is a difference between being born again and growing spiritually. If you are not born again, no amount of money you give in the church, no amount of service you give to God means anything to him. John chapter 3, verse 3 and 5, Jesus was very emphatic. He said, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. Except a man is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Whatever is born of flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of spirit is spirit. So, before becoming born again, Isaiah 64, verse 6 says, All our righteous acts are like filthy rats before God. When you accept Jesus and have an encounter with him, a life-changing encounter, and you accept him as your Lord and personal Savior, you become what we say you are born again. When you are born again, you are a child of God, you qualify to go to heaven, and all the pillars I've mentioned this evening are the things which you should hunger and test after if you are a normal child of God. You see, every woman will tell you that when you bring forth a child, the child begins to search for breast milk. The child begins to breathe. After breast milk, breathing, and then poo-poo, wee-wee. Those things come naturally with a normal child. I am saying that the ten pillars I've mentioned this evening if you are not hungry and thirsty after them, you are not a normal growing child of God. You are not normal. So First Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babies, earnestly desire the sincere milk of the word of God that you may grow thereby. Luke 18 verse 1. Jesus told them a parable to the effect that men ought always to pray and not to faint. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. So these things, they are things which if you are born again, you will see that there is a hunger and a test inside you to read the Bible. 
to pray, to know the Holy Spirit. These are normal. And I want to answer the question, how can I know whether I am growing? Now, physically, when we were children, we used to put marks on the wall at home. Then we come, we come back from school, and then we measure ourselves. They say, hey, I'm growing, I'm growing. Look, last time when I came, I, I was here. I put my pencil mark here. Now look, look, look at where I am. So physically, we are able to, to measure growth, height, health, weight. Spiritually, I have just given you 10 pillars. So you can now measure how you are growing in the word of God. You can tell yourself that every year I will read the whole Bible through. If you read the whole Bible through, that means four chapters every day you must read. If you are reading the four chapters every day, you see that by the end of the year, you have gone through the whole Bible. So you can measure how many times you have read the Bible and how your mind, your understanding and obedience to the Bible is coming. When you sit in church, you see that you understand what the pastor is saying more because you are growing in the knowledge of the Bible. Then you can use different measures. You can use your own subjective measure that, oh, last week I read my Bible and this. And you can also tell another person that, look, I've told myself every day, I'll read four chapters of the Bible. So when you see me every week, you check me, ask me whether I've finished my Bible reading or I am still on. That's objective. Then you can also, you know, set yourself some targets to measure yourself. Now, you do that with Bible. You do that with prayer. You do that with, you tell yourself that every day, in fact, for the next six months, I want to be able to pray 30 minutes every day. So you do it and you know that, oh, today I didn't pray my 30 minutes, so, eh, I must. So after six months, you see that, oh, from now I'll pray 45 minutes every day. You are growing. You see? Because Jesus prayed the whole night. Look at your fasting life. Some people have been Christians for 40 years. They have never fasted one day. You should build your fasting life such that you can imitate Jesus. Then your work with the Holy Spirit. So these measures, uh, don't expect the church to be measuring it for you. You need to take your spiritual growth into your own hands and work on it. Because when you grow spiritually, you benefit yourself first before you benefit the church and God and 
your family. I hope I've answered you, the two of you. Yes, sir. Okay. Thank you very much, sir. You are welcome, sir. Okay, Apostle. I have that question, the other question was in the chat box. So another question in the chat box is, apart from the 10 uh, spiritual growth pillars that you have mentioned, are there any other spiritual disciplines that one needs to perfect in if they want to grow spiritually? Oh, definitely. But if the list is made unbearably long, it discourages people. So, for example, Jesus grew in wisdom. I would prefer to put the wisdom under the word of God than to make it a separate pillar. Then we are to grow in love. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. We are to grow our faith. So I will put love under the pillar of love and Christian fellows. So, we are to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Second Peter 3.18 So, what happens is, there are scattered places where we are told, grow in this, or Jesus grew in this. But, I try to put them under the pillars so that it will not be a confused something. So definitely, when the Bible says, First uh, Corinthians 13, 13, it says, faith, hope, and love. These three abide, but the greatest of these is love. The Bible expects us to grow in faith, grow in hope, grow in love. But instead of separating them as individual, single areas, I've tried to put them into blocks under the various pillars. So yes, there are a lot of small, small areas you are expected to grow in, which could be put to stand alone. But I feel that the list will be even confusing. So it's better to gather them under fellowship with the Holy Spirit Christ-like character, evangelism, soul-winning, and uh, uh, disciple-making. I put all together. Thank you very much, Apostle. We'll, we'll take the last question. Thank you very much, Apostle. Please, I wanted to ask about consistency in some of the things you spoke about, like prayer and the word. How does one maintain consistency and uh, our time uh, of inconsistency equal to moments of backsliding in a Christian's life. Thank you. Okay. I also had that challenge growing. When I am attending to my Bible reading, then my prayer life falls. And when I come to work on my prayer life, then my Bible reading stops. 
So the consistency was not there. But you grow to, to pass that barrier also. It's like when you are learning to ride a bicycle, you don't take a passenger. Both of you will fall. So when you master it, then a second person can sit on the bicycle and then you can control it. And it's the same with these pillars of growth. When you start, you will see that your evangelism begins to interfere with your prayer life. Or your interest in spiritual warfare begins to interfere with your Bible reading, that type of thing. But you grow and gradually you become used, your body and your spiritual system becomes used to consistent feeding from the word of God. Then you work through on consistency in the prayer and add it. Then you work on consistency in your fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Then you add. As you do that, uh, you begin to balance it. Uh, probably the best example would be driving. Controlling the steering wheel when you are driving is expected. But it doesn't mean you should forget about the accelerator. And while you are attending to the accelerator, it doesn't mean you should forget about the brakes or the traffic light, uh, a trafficator, or even the mirror. You see, glancing into the mirror to see what is happening around you. So in driving, you learn to control the steering wheel. You learn to watch the dashboard. You learn to to the, the accelerator. Your foot is working. Your hand is working. Your mind is working. You all of them at the same time. And anybody who doesn't know how to drive, once you are holding the steering wheel, you forget about the accelerator. Once you are working on the accelerator, you forget about the steer. Then we say you don't know how to drive because you are not matured in balancing all this at the same time. So that's how the spiritual life is. Thank you. Follow JFK Mensa Ministries on Facebook and YouTube and invite others to listen to his podcast. You can also access some of JFK Mensa's books and keep up with his ministry at www.jfkmensaministries.org. God bless you.